Well, hey, friends, welcome to this bonus episode of Halfway There. This is, of course, the show where we have honest conversations with the ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I can't wait to bring this episode to you because um, this is uh, this episode is going to be one of our um, Patreon episodes. So if you're a Patreon supporter, then you can hear the episode in its entirety at uh, patreon.com slash halfway there. Of course, I share a little bit with you in the feed because I want you to know our guest. I want you to hear about what he's doing and uh, and be able to just connect with him. Uh, but uh, we're going to have a, a big, long conversation that I think you guys are going to enjoy and will add to your journey. So our guest today is he um, has been – a previous guest has been a couple of years now, I think. He's a writer. He's written a couple of books since we've chatted last. He is Steve Sims. Steve, welcome back to Halfway There. Oh, well, thank you, Eric. I'm thrilled to be back. I am excited to to speak with you. I I uh, was just so um, blessed by your story. I was going back and looking at it. I, you had some stories that really uh, did um, – I don't know what the word is. Inspire me to think about how God works in people's lives differently. Um, so I really appreciate you sharing that. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, you know, so many times we think we can just have a method or a program, and God is unique in how he wants to relate to every individual. Right. It would be so much easier if we could just plug God into a formula, right? <laughs> it would be easier. Uh, and, and, you know, that's kind of what we've done with religion and, uh, you know, and uh, most forms of Christianity. But when we do that, we miss a lot. We do. We do. And I think that's really the key. So I can't wait to have this conversation uh, with you. So I, I think it has been a couple of years since we recorded a conversation. So tell us what you've been up to in the last couple of years. Uh, well, I think the last time we talked, it was about a book I wrote called uh, Beyond Church, and that was actually uh, based on uh, 10 years leading a non-traditional Salvation Army church. And so for those 10 years, we just let the spirit move. We we did church 10 years on Sunday morning with no sermon and just uh, after praise and worship, letting people share. And so... Uh, that was a miracle. The Salvation Army is not just a charitable organization. It's also a church. And uh, for a, a denomination to let uh, uh, someone come in and lead a church without sermons, that's a miracle. So they let us do that for 10 years. But they rotate their leaders, and a new leader was sent in, and he didn't like it. He said, this isn't Salvation Army. This isn't the way we do it. You have to uh, – preach a sermon and do it the way the other Salvation Army churches uh, do it or you can't stay. So we were pretty well forced out. So we spent the last two years just, I mean, you know, church hurt hurts. And some people mm. say that church hurt hurts worse than any. But, uh, you know, so we, we, we spent the time just forgiving and blessing and blessing, you know, the, the person that was, you know, put the uh, the nail in and ended it and just uh, recovering and seeking God with what he wants to do. And so in the meantime, I've written a couple of books and also 
uh, uh, just two or three months ago, actually about two months ago, uh, a door opened for my wife and I to co-lead. We're doing it with another couple, a ministry on a college campus in Nashville. It just came from out of the out of the blue. God just opened the door, and so we're doing that in an informal. We meet on Sunday night and just let the kids share and minister to one another. Oh, very cool. Sounds like a good place. I finding I am finding that people, particularly younger generations, are really hungry for something more than what they're getting in their traditional churches. So I can see that being a ministry that would have a lot of attractiveness. Yeah, it's we've just been doing it a couple of months, uh, meeting on Sunday nights, and so far it's been really fun. It's been small. We have had anywhere from uh, five to twelve of of the kids, but the potential there are eleven hundred students on the campus, so it's got a lot of potential. Yeah, very great. I love that. Okay, well, I wanted to go back to something you said as well because that uh, for for a guy who you know you wrote you've been writing books about. Ecclesia and the church and how it works and uh, and to kind of go through something painful like that, you know, you mentioned forgiveness, but how has that changed your view of how church should work at all or just strengthened your view or what was that, that done for you? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it really hasn't changed it. I mean, uh, it, we were allowed to do that 10 years within the Salvation Army, and it was wonderful. And really, basically, there were only a couple of people that were against it, and they worked together to use the political system to, to, to get it shut down. But, the you know, the vast majority of people in the Salvation Army were very receptive, and it worked. It worked for those 10 years. We saw lives changed. When people are allowed to have a role in Sunday or whatever, but we did Sunday morning church, when they are allowed to have an active role and share what God puts on their heart, they grow so much better and faster in spiritual maturity than if they just sit and hear a sermon. And, you know, that's a fact. I mean, I've seen it for 10 years. People come in there that could hardly look you in the eye and were shy. And within a few months of being in this loving environment where their views were valued, you see them transformed right in front of you. Yeah, absolutely. I find that really fascinating. In fact, I'm I'm pretty sure that I got this from you, uh, but this idea that we show up on Sunday morning and a handful of people get to use their gifts because they can get up on a stage uh, really, really started to bother me after that, right? It's, it's so much better if we can get into um, a place where everybody can use their gifts, everybody can speak. And uh, I think that's definitely the model that they had in the early church. Um, um- yeah, that, that's definitely my belief based on, you know, 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty six, where it, it's the only place I've found where it specifically states when you come together. And, you know, nowhere else is there a statement of when Christian meets, do this. But that verse says when you come together, each one has an, a psalm, a hymn that goes through. You know, in other words, each person participates. And then the other thing I see throughout the New Testament is the 50-something one another's, you know, encourage one another, exhort one another, pray for one another. Uh, you can't do one another's very well if you're looking at the back of someone's head. You need, <laughs> you need to be interactive. <laughs> right, right. I agree. The other thing I've been thinking a lot lately is in the information age, are the ways that we engage one another pr- 
probably needs to change because information is now cheap. It used to be the sermon was really valuable because the, the pastor was the guy who knew everything, right? He was the guy who knew the Bible, exactly. he knew theology. It's not that way today. Theology and Bible training is available for free. You don't have to pay as much as I did to go to seminary right. <laughs> to get it. And so uh, maybe our exper- our uh, time on Sunday or time when we gather together needs to be more interactive. Uh, information is cheap today. Experiences are expensive. Right. And it goes back uh, to 1517 when Martin Luther redesigned the way – Church services are done on Sunday morning. Prior to Martin Luther, the Catholics pretty much built it around the Eucharist, what we call the communion in the Protestant church. And that was the center uh, of, of, of worship. Luther put the pulpit front and center and made the center a lecture about the, the Bible. And in those days, uh, the printing plant press was either just coming out or hadn't come out yet. And, uh, there were very few literate people, even if they had a printing press. So people didn't know how to read. They were, there weren't public schools. They weren't educated. Uh, they needed someone to spoon feed them the Bible. But, you know, fast forward 500 years to 2017, two years ago, sermons are everywhere. TV, you can download, you watch them on YouTube. You know, why should we spend our precious time together in worship? Hearing a man talk when you can, you know, if you want a sermon, you can get it 24-7 anytime you want to. Right. Yeah, all the time. And, you know, did you know that the Christian category in iTunes is the largest category? I did not know that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, as a podcaster, that's fascinating. I've uh, silenced a room full of business podcasters by saying that because they all thought that it was theirs. Uh, you know, their category, because of course they would. Um, well, that's encouraging to me. That shows that the evangelistic spirit is still alive in believers in the 21st century. I'm encouraged by that. It totally is. It's a great thing. Uh, I think it's that way because many of them are sermons, you know, many, many podcasts, many uh-huh. pastors are saving their uh, resharing their sermons that way. And I'm so glad they do. Uh, but I think it speaks to your point that Sermons are widely available. Uh, they're not as they're not as um, unavailable as they used to be. Yeah, and they're good. Some people think I'm against sermons. Uh, uh, sermons are good. Your first six months as a Christian, you need to get some teaching. But mm-hmm. uh, years ago, the Holy Spirit spoke to me once, I, and he said, "The only educational institution in the world that never graduates anyone." Is the, is the church. And, you know, every elementary school, college, you know, trade school, the whole purpose of the school is to graduate people and send them out. But the church has, you know, somebody that's, been, you know, a new Christian sitting beside somebody who's been saved for 40 years, and they're both listening to a basic Christianity 101 talk. And it's, t- I mean, you know, your first three months, six months, year or two, it's good to be spoon fed, but at some point, you got to get off the bottle and go do the stuff. Right. Uh, that's, by the way, is what the uh, the latest book I just published is basically about doing the bu- the stuff, uh, the stuff that you read about in the book of Acts, driving out demons, praying for the sick, uh, you know, uh, uh, doing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's, you know, it's about 
taking what you've learned in church and what the Holy Spirit's doing in your heart and going and using the spiritual gifts, not just being a uh, a spectator for a religious meeting. Yeah, man. I love that. And I just think it's so important. So just to put a, a punctuation on that, I'm convinced that uh, the way we do church currently in most places actually stunts growth doesn't enhance growth. It's crippling. Yeah. Unfortunately, church is crippling. It's uh, making believers dependent on another person's uh, knowledge and spirituality. When the Holy Spirit lives in you, if you're a believer, you can go directly to the Holy Spirit and mm. let him train you. And then the word is alive. Uh, uh, you know, some Christians nowadays are, are, are saying negative things about the Bible. Like, well, the Bible is not the word of God. Jesus is. Well, they both are. You know? yeah. And uh, the word is important. And when you read it, the Holy Spirit when I read the Bible, it's fiery. It's like, you know, the guys on the road to Emmaus, didn't his words words burn in my in our heart? Mm-hmm. And when I read the words of Jesus and the words, other words in the Bible, most of the, I mean, not every time. Sometimes I may not be in a good place and I'm just going through the motions. But most of the time when I read the Bible, the words come alive, you know, in, in inside of me. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with what we expect from Scripture. What we, you know, if we're expecting it to give us three points and a bunch of to-do items, then that's that's what we're going to get. But if we expect it to lead us to the person of God, exactly, that's a different thing. Yeah, that, that's very very well put. And I like to compare it between reading a textbook and reading a love letter. You know, most evangelicals in the United States have been trained to read scripture analytically uh, like it's a textbook. But if you read it like a love letter from God, it's totally different. It comes alive. You don't analyze. You know, if you got a love letter from someone you're really in love with and it says, Dear Steve, you know, uh, I love and adore you and can't wait to see you. I don't say now. Dear is a term of uh, is a greeting. Steve is a proper name. I is a first person <laughs> pronoun. I I just go, dear Steve, I love you and can't wait to see you again. You know, I, I just savor it in my heart if I have a love letter, you know, and, and that's the way I read the Bible, you know, for God so loved Steve that he gave his only begotten son that if Steve would receive him, I mean, I don't analyze was Jesus pre-eternal and, you know, you know, all of this theological stuff. I, I, I mean, I believe he's existed forever like the Bible, but I don't, when I'm reading it, John 3, 16, I'm just like, whoa, what an amazing thing. He loves me. Right. It's exciting. Right, which is which is fantastic. Okay, well, I I love all that, and I think that's definitely become a big part of of sort of where I am. But I want to talk more about your your newest book, especially. So, give us kind of the rundown on why you wrote it and what you're hoping it will do. Okay, yeah, the name of it is the joy of early Christianity, and. Uh, you know, you see, when I, I, I guess it goes back to as a new Christian, uh, I started attending church and it was usually real dry, real controlled. But when I would read the book of Acts and other uh, parts of the New Testament, I would see people excited, rejoicing, doing these exciting things, uh, seeing miracles. And then I'd go to church and it was just routine sitting there watching. 
And it was like, I, I, why is there such a difference? The early Christian, early Christianity was joyous and anointed and powerful and exciting and thrilling. There was persecution, but they, it says the disciples got whipped by the Sanhedrin, but they went away rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. So even the persecution couldn't kill their joy. Yet in the 21st century America, you don't see that much joy in Christianity. It seems more dutiful, you know, just you know, and so that, you know, I always struggle with that as a new Christian. And I, uh, I begin to say, I want to live what they did in the book of Acts. I want to do it. I don't want to just, you know, hear a talk about it. And so mm-hmm. over, uh, I've been saved uh, almost uh, 50 years. Next spring, I will have been a born again Christian for 50 years. And I've tried to do stuff. And so a lot of this book is experiences. A lot of it is teaching, like on the gifts of the spirit, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, working of miracles, healing. How do those function in you as an individual, not just with a preacher up front talking yeah. about it? So uh, it's basically uh, uh, examples, teaching, exhortation about, hey, you can do this. You can read the book of Acts and you can actually go and do what Peter and Paul and James and John did. You don't you're not just, you know, a, a knob on a on a bench or a chair. You're anointed to do the stuff that God yeah. teaches. Well, so I have so many thoughts about that. First of all. I love what you said there. You are anointed to go and do these things. I I believe that a lot of the ways we do church removes agency from people. And that agency is part of the power of being a human being. Um, And it's actually what God has made us for, because ultimately we're not just going to sit around and worship him. We will, but he's created us to rule and reign. Right, that's part of what we we see in Revelation. He gives us ownership and the the ability to go out and take care of what he what he's asked us to do, like he did with Adam and Eve. And uh, that's this is training. This is practice for that. Yeah, and you know, at this level too, it's kind of like the children of Israel going into the promised land. God gave them the deed to the land of Canaan. Yeah, but they couldn't. That didn't just mean they could just go in there and. Oh boy, here it is, prosperity. I'm just going to walk in and have the land, land of Canaan. There were giants in there. There were Canaanites in yeah. there. Uh, they, there were fortified cities in there. And even though they had the deed to it, they had to go in there and fight to take it. And the same as us today, we have the promises of God and, and go, you know, Jesus said, whatever I did do, you can do greater things. And and we have that promise, but we have to fight because they're giants, they're enemies, they're demonic spirits. There's the devil that's trying to keep us from living out the gospel. And so it's exciting. It becomes you know, like a lot of young men like to go to war. I've never understood that. <laughs> Why go get yourself blown to smithereens and kill a bunch of and torture a bunch of other people? Uh, but young men like that idea. It makes them excited to go kill and be killed. But for me, spiritual warfare is the same. It makes me excited to go 
take back what the enemy's trying to do and say, that's mine. You're not getting my inner peace. You're not getting my joy. You're not getting my healing. And, and, and it's a, it's a fight. It's a real, anybody who's ever tried to obey God knows it's not easy street. It's a battle, but it's an exciting battle. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it is. So I love that you call it the joy of early Christianity because that was one of the things that came out to me. In fact, I think I called the episode, uh, something about joy, uh, the joy of letting Jesus lead that we, when we talked a couple of years ago, because that's what I think just resonates from you. You, you're a joyful person and your experience of God is joyful. And I love that. Uh, you know, it, 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 uh, it, it, that's true in, in many ways. I still have to fight for my joy, though. Uh, I, I basically grew up in a home where my mom was pretty much depressed most of the time. And then I realized I inherited those same tendencies. Mm. So e- even before I was a Christian, I had to fight for uh, my own sanity and negative thoughts and fears. And then once I became a Christian, of course, I had the power of the Holy Spirit in me. But I've still I've spent my entire life uh, overcoming uh, depression and worry and anxiety and low self-esteem. But because I, I fought it so hard, uh, you know, it, the battle is after many decades of doing this, the battle is still there some, mm-hmm. but there's more, there's more victory than battle now. And so anybody that's struggling with any negative, negative thoughts I, in my book, in the joy of early Christianity, I have a chapter on demons and I believe negative thoughts that come to people's minds are sown in their minds by demons, fears, worries, demons have access to human minds. And so when I was a little kid, I would even have these negative thoughts, but uh, I saw the impact they had in my mother and it was like, I'm not giving in to these thoughts. So even before I knew the Lord, I was fighting negative thoughts, depression, discouragement, get out, you know, and I would fight it. And so uh, I share a lot of the techniques, practical techniques, as well as spiritual techniques. So you can fight the the demons that put thoughts in your head and replace it with uh, openness to the Holy Spirit. And his goal is to give joy. You know, Jesus said, I came that your joy may be full. So I like that full joy, full joy, Christianity. Yeah. Amen. I love that perspective. So thanks for sharing some of that with us because uh, I wouldn't, without knowing some of your story and without you sharing it, I wouldn't know that because I, I honestly experience you as a joyful person. Well, so that's Jesus is, <laughs> Jesus is working, but brother, I think that's good. Amen. Um, okay. So let can we talk a little bit about some of the, the things that define early Christianity and, Maybe how our friends can take advantage of that. Oh, sure. Okay, because. Well, hey, friends, thanks for listening today. And I hope that you enjoyed just this little bit of our conversation with Steve Sims. Uh, Listen, this goes on for another 40 minutes or so. If you want to hear the rest of our conversation, um, I encourage you to just go to Patreon. That's uh, just patreon.com slash halfway there. Just Patreon. Just search up halfway there, Patreon. You'll find me and find the show. Uh, we talk about different styles of prayer. We talk about how to interact with Jesus all the time. Uh, Steve also wrote a book on race, and we talk about that. We get into to that and how what a Christian response is to racism, um, how to practice our faith 
uh, not just learn about it. So a lot of things um, along the same lines, but we go deeper and there's a lot of more information there. So I would love for you to just jump into Patreon. It's really easy. It's only $5 a month. You get an extra bonus episode, which includes the rest of this episode. So, hey, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep the faith.